Tonight we're going to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. And we're going to read verses 20 through 26. And I'm going to tell you, I'll give you the title of this message. And then the question, it's a question that I'm wanting to ask you tonight. And don't answer, you know, don't answer it out loud and don't even answer it in your heart right away. But Acts chapter 11, verse 20, it says, And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So the question I want to ask you all tonight is, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Now, I'm not asking, are you saved? A lot of times, well, what is a Christian? Well, that's somebody that's saved. Well, not necessarily. Not when you look at uh, really the definition of a Christian and when you look at where the term Christian came from. And right here is where we see where the term Christian got started. It started in Antioch. They were called Christians first in Antioch. And it says that it didn't say, and also it doesn't say they called themselves Christians. It said they were called Christians. Christians. This was a name and it was a term that was given to them when they were in Antioch. There's many people today in the world who call themselves Christians, but just being saved or just belonging to a certain religion doesn't make you saved. Just because, I mean, there's a lot of religions out there that call themselves Christians. You've got, you know, Catholics that call themselves Christians. Pretty much any religion that includes Jesus as a part of it. Um, they call themselves Christians. I guess you know even Mormons. Um, do they call themselves Christians? They just call themselves Mormons. I hope they don't. But they uh, even them. They might consider themselves to be Christians. And uh, and a good. But I think if we're going to find out a true example, now I know the the definition of Christian. I looked it up. It's a real disciple of Christ. One who believes in the truth of the Christian religion and studies to follow the example and obey the precepts of Christ. A believer in Christ who is characterized by real piety. That's the dictionary definition. I think that's a good definition. But I think if we want to get the best definition, we get it from the Bible where the term was first used and why they were called Christians. And notice in verse 20 of chapter 11, it says, and some of them um, were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. One thing that a Christian does, one thing that is a characteristic of a Christian, is they are going to be preaching Jesus Christ. They're going to be talking about Jesus Christ. This term Christian, it was something that they called them. I've heard some say that uh, that term Christian, it means like Christ or a little Christ. Some have said that it's even it was even actually a derogatory term that they gave them. It's like, oh, you people, you're you're just 
Christians. You're like one of those Christ followers. And they kind of looked at it, they used the word as an insult. But really, if somebody comes up and he says, you know, you're just, you're just like Jesus. That's not really an insult, is it? I mean, that's really the best compliment that you could possibly get. I love, I love in, the, in one of the Gospels where uh, John the Baptist was mistaken for the Christ. I mean, can you imagine being mistaken for Jesus Christ? And then we, there's also in the Gospels we see where Jesus was mistaken for John the Baptist. I mean, just imagine that. If somebody saw Jesus Christ and thought it was you. And it wasn't just because of what He looked like, but it was because of what He was preaching and what He was doing. And there was similarities. Jesus Christ and John the Baptist, they were on the same page and they're hearing this message and thinking that they got those two mixed up. And here in Antioch, many believe that they were trying, they were really trying to put them down, but they, the Christians like, this isn't a put down, this is a compliment, and they just kind of took that term and ran with it. And we see in the New Testament where they would refer to themselves as Christians. But these, but a Christian is someone who's preaching the Lord Jesus. As Christians, um, we are, we are told by the world and by the news media that as Christians, it's okay to be a Christian, but you're supposed to keep your religion to yourself. That's a personal thing. It's something you need to keep quiet about. I, I read a comment, um, it was kind of, that somebody had written about, you know, it's kind of supposed to be by Tim Tebow where there was some athlete that had come out of the closet and said that they were a homosexual and the news media was praising them. And then, but with Tim Tebow, that same news media was telling him that he needs to keep his religion to himself. And it's like, you know, why is that that when it comes to, you know, sexual orientation, you know, they praise people for speaking out and saying what they are. But when it comes to our religion, we are supposed to go hide in a closet, according to the news media. And a real Christian is somebody who is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, it's that man is a sinner. Man is on their way to hell because of their sins. But Jesus Christ is the Savior if you'll believe on His name. And so, as Christians, part of being a Christian, we're telling people, hey, you're a sinner. We speak out against sin. We speak in favor of Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven because He said He was the only way. He said He's the way, the truth, and the life. And the, and the world keeps telling Christians, you know, hey, it's fine for you to be a Christian. You know, in America, we believe in diversity and we believe in, uh, you know, and, you know, if you want to be a Christian, that's fine. If you want to be a Mormon, that's fine. And listen, when, as far as governments are concerned, I believe in religious freedom. I don't think governments ought to be dictating religion for anybody. But as Christians, part of what we do is spread the gospel. We preach Jesus Christ. We tell other people. We don't go harassing them. We don't go bothering them. We don't go making them become Christians. We don't go killing people that aren't Christians. There are groups that call themselves Christians that have done that in the past. There's been you know, inquisitions and things and just millions that have died in the name of Jesus Christ. But we know that God was nowhere near that. We do not see that anywhere in the Bible. But we do see people preaching. You never see the Apostle Paul with all the preaching he did. You never see him physically hurt somebody to try to get them to be a Christian. He never did that. 
He, he would use his words. He would use preaching. He would use prayer, but physically never do anything. And that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. We preach the gospel. But not only that, we, another thing it says about this group that were first called Christians, verse 21, it says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. The hand of the Lord was upon them. Listen, that is what we've got to be praying for around here more than anything. You need to pray that God's hand will be on this church. You need to pray that God's hand will be on your life and on the works that you do. We need to pray. You need to pray for me that God's hand will be on your pastor. Do that for me because I'm only going to take things so far. Us as people, we're only going to be able to take things so far. But it says with these people, the hand of the Lord was upon them and many believed. And that's going to happen when God's hand is on us. When God gets involved, when God's power is on this church, there's going to be results. And a real Christian, a person that's really like Christ, there is going to be results. There's going to be amazing things happen. It only makes sense. During Jesus' ministry on this earth, everywhere He went, great things happen. Everywhere He went, there would be multitudes that would come and gather around just to see what He was going to do. And there would be sick people that would be healed. There would be dead people brought back to life. And people came, many probably just to watch. Just to see what was going on. And when the hand of the Lord falls on this place, when God gets involved in our lives, people are going to get curious. They're going to come around. They're going to hear what's going on at Liberty Baptist Church. They're going to they're going to want to see for themselves. They might they'll come in. They might have a skeptical attitude. They might come in looking to find fault. There was many that did that with Jesus Christ. But one thing that was clear with Jesus Christ, one thing that was clear with these people, is that something supernatural was going on. Something that they couldn't explain. They, when Jesus Christ was on earth, they would try to explain how Jesus did the miracles He did. It was clear. It was so clear that something supernatural was going on. They, at one time, they accused Him of using Beelzebub as the result of how, where He did His miracles. Saying that it was you know, satanic forces at work. But that didn't fly. It was too clear that what was going on was real. And we need to pray more than anything that God's hand will be on this church. And when that happens, there's going to be people that believe. There's going to be people that listen that's going to turn to the Lord. Lives changed. And, you know, we, we, we talk about that. We were talking about it just today. You know, there's so many churches that are out there that on a regular weekly basis, I mean, full house, they'll be packed out, but lives aren't being changed. The people that are in many of these churches, if you were to see them the night before or even the day after, you'd never know that they were Christian. There's absolutely no fruit in their lives. Many of these people that are going to these churches, you'll, if you work with them, you'll hear them cussing and swearing with the rest of the group. They'll be getting drunk at the bars with everybody else. Not a single thing changes in their life. And when, if that's the case, I don't believe God's in that one bit. And that is not Christian. When Jesus Christ gets involved, He changes lives. And that, I hope that will be the defining thing 
about Liberty Baptist Church. We might not ever be the biggest church in town, but one thing I hope that we have the reputation of is that those people are like Christ. There's something different about them. There's something special about them. And if the hand of the Lord is on us, it's going to happen. And let me and let me just tell you this too. God wants to have His hand on us. If the hand of the Lord's not on us, it's not His fault. It's our fault. And we need to be willing to repent of whatever sin it is that's uh, holding things back and be willing to just surrender all and let the Lord have His way. But also, another thing that we see that was kind of why they were called Christians, something special about this group, something that should be a part of somebody who calls themselves a Christian. Verse 23 it says, uh, and this is talking about Barnabas, who was known. I mean, this guy, if you're, we've been talking about spiritual gifts, his was exhorting. Barnabas was known for just encouraging people, motivating people. That's what he did. The Apostle Paul, when God saved him, the disciples, they weren't going to receive him. They didn't, they didn't trust him. But Barnabas spoke up for Paul. And after Barnabas spoke up for him, then the disciples received him. That's just how Barnabas was. He encouraged people. Paul and Barnabas, they actually ended up parting ways and having problems with each other because Barnabas' nephew, was it Mark? John? I forgot who it was. Paul had got upset with him and didn't want to use him anymore. He had forsaken them. And Barnabas said, hey, let's let, let's let him come back. Paul said no. And there was contention between them. They ended up parting ways. But we see though that later in one of Paul's other epistles that he writes, that he asked, he asked specifically for Mark or whoever it was. He says, for he is profitable to me. I wonder if it was because Barnabas encouraged him. Can you imagine getting rejected by the Apostle Paul? That'd make you feel pretty bad, wouldn't it? But you know what? Barnabas was there and said, "Hey, you're going to do all right. Hey, God can use you. I'll use you." And uh, that's just that's how he worked. But it says in verse 23, um, "For who, when he had, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, and with purpose of heart that they would cleave unto the Lord." He exhorted them. He encouraged them. That is what Christian people are supposed to do. We encourage people to do right. We exhort them. We motivate them. We inspire them to do right. That's what we ought to do at the workplace. If you have another believer that you work with, man, motivate each other. Encourage each other. If you have somebody there that may be struggling and trying to do right, most of the people that they work with are going to try to put them down. They're going to kick them while they're down. They're going to treat them like garbage. As the Christian, as the one who's like Christ, we ought to be the one motivating other people. I mean, just think about what Jesus did when that woman who was taken in adultery was brought to Him. I mean, here this woman had the town ready to stone her and kill her. Do you think she was feeling very loved at that moment? Do you think she was feeling very accepted in that community? And here they go and they lay her down at the feet of a man who was perfect. And who she probably knew. I mean, this she probably knew about Jesus Christ. And thought for sure that if these other people were ready to stone her, this man who fulfilled, who was obeying every single part of the law, was probably going to be the first one to throw a rock at her. But that's not what he did. 
He said, he told her, you know, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know what he, you know what he did right there? He exhorted her. Hey, let's go on and don't do that again. Don't, don't commit that sin anymore. Go and sin no more. I'm not condemning you. It was clear that he cared about her. It was clear that he loved her. And when he told her that go and sin no more, I believe that she felt that he knew that she could fulfill that command that he gave her. That he felt she had the ability to go and sin no more. And I don't know what happened in her life after that. But I believe that I believe she was greatly encouraged by that. Think about those little children that the parents were bringing them to Jesus Christ, and the disciples rebuked them. You know how discouraging that would be for the kids. They're all excited, getting ready to meet Jesus, and they're, here they get rejected. But Jesus didn't do that. He encouraged them. He rebuked his disciples, said, "Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not." For of such is the kingdom of heaven. He laid His hands on them. He blessed those little children. Encouraged them to do the right thing. He motivated them. Jesus Christ motivated people to action. And that's what these Christian people did. They got involved in these people. They would preach to these people and they would motivate them to do right. And you know, in many churches today, one of the things that that happens is sometimes it can be one of the most discouraging places. You'll have people that are gossiping about each other and that are running each other down and criticizing what other people do. And let me tell you, you don't see that in the Bible. That's not biblical. But exhorting, encouraging, that's that's just Christian. That is a Christian thing to do. And we, we need to do that. Do it with your neighbors. Do it with your co-workers. The people that you go to school with. Whoever you're around. Motivate to do right. Motivate to action. Help them get through things. And that is what a Christian does. If you just discourage people, if you're just running people down, that's not Christian. That is not Christian behavior. One bit. I'm not, and I'm not saying you're not saved. Listen, there's, there's a lot of people They don't fit any of these things, but I believe that they're saved. But are they acting like a Christian? Are they? There's nowhere in the Bible that says, you know, all Christians are going to heaven. Because you know, I've known people that do a lot of these things, but they're not saved. So it's you know, there's somebody that probably acts more like a Christian and is more Christian than many saved people. So. Uh, you know, the question is, it's not are you saved, it's are you a Christian. Also, another thing about these folks, verse 24 says, for, talking about Barnabas too, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. They were good people. We ought to be good people. We ought, you know, I, I hope, you know, you're not you know, breaking into your neighbor's house and stealing their televisions and stereo equipment and, you know, you're not throwing rocks through your neighbor's windows and you're not cussing out your neighbors. You know, good people, honest people, ones that, ones that will be there to help. Barnabas did that. The Bible said that he was full of the Holy Ghost. It says all this stuff about him and it says, and much people was added unto the Lord. We are going to attract more people through goodness than evil. I mean, that just makes sense. It, it, there's no way we're going to win the world by being ugly with our neighbor, by hating our neighbor. 
it, I mean, that just, uh, we don't even really need to talk about this. It's just obvious they were, you're Christians, they're good people. And I've known people who called themselves Christians who probably were even saved, but boy, they were just as crooked as all get out. They were mean as snakes. I mean, I'm telling you, boy, sometimes in church, I mean, there, there can be people in there that you do not want to turn your back on them because they will stick a knife in your back so fast. Maybe not physically, but I mean, they'll, they will. It's just, it's brutal some places. And not, that is not an example of a Christian. Also, they were full of the Holy Ghost. Barnabas, he was full of the Holy Ghost. And remember, this doesn't mean he was standing around speaking in tongues and, you know, running around and jumping and skipping and going crazy. But being full of the Holy Ghost, that's just basically being, being controlled by the Holy Ghost. What he was doing was the will of God. He was doing the right thing. And when we get saved, we're indwelt by the Holy Ghost of God. He dwells inside of us. But when we are filled with the Holy Ghost, that's basically when God is just having His way with us. We're doing what He wants us to do. And Barnabas, that's how he was, just full of the Holy Ghost. And that ought to be evident in our life. That is something that uh, it should be common in church. Is to have people that are full of the Holy Ghost. Not just while they're in the house of God, but outside the church. And that's where we're going to have the power to be witnesses. Because when we're full of the Holy Ghost, one of the things that if, if the Lord is controlling us and having His way... We're going to be witnessing. That's just because that's what Christians do. We're going to be encouraging. We're going to be you know, living good lives because that's what Christians do. And that means we're also going to be doing things like reading our Bible. We're going to be going to church. So we're going to know Scriptures better. We're going to know how to witness better when we're full of the Holy Ghost. We're going to be good at what we do because we've had some practice. And... We need we need people our our people to be full of the Holy Ghost, and also he uh, Barnabas he was um, and these disciples they were full of faith the Holy Ghost and of faith they had faith we've got to listen if we don't even believe that God can change somebody's life why would they believe I mean you think about it maybe that family member or that that neighbor that coworker that's life is just down the toilet. If we're looking at them and thinking, as somebody who's been saved, as somebody who knows the Scripture, if we don't even think God can help them, how are we going to get them to think that? We've got to have faith. If we're going to be able to pass that on to anybody else, we've got to believe that God can save them. We've got to be the ones praying for them first. We've got to be the ones making the effort and witnessing. If we don't believe that, if we've got to be the ones to believe that God is going to do a work here, you know, I'm excited every time I come to church because I, I, you know, I don't know what God's going to do, but I believe He can and that He wants to do something. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know what it's going to be, but I just every week I, I come believing God's going to do something, and I, I believe He's going to. I believe it's going to happen. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't be real worried about not being here. I'm not going to miss anything today. That's not a good attitude. We ought to come expecting God to do something. Expecting God to speak to our hearts. Just having faith that God's going to do something. We believe that Jesus Christ 
is going to return someday. We believe that if we uh, you know, follow His Word that He'll bless our lives. We've got, we've got to believe it if we're going to get anyone else to believe it. And these people, they didn't just—I mean, they preached it. They lived. They did it all as they did all that because they had faith. They trusted God. And then verse twenty-six says, "And when he had found them, he brought them unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first. And Antioch, as Christians, said, I know the news media and everyone out there says today we need to keep our religion to ourselves. But no. What we're supposed to do is we are supposed to teach others to do the same thing. We are supposed to recruit others. We're supposed to try to cause this to grow. So we're not using brute force. We want people of their own free will to come to salvation. We don't want to make people come to this church. I saw an old show one time. It was set back sometime in the 1800s. And there was this church. They were having this revival meeting. And they had a guy that was that was, stand, it was a real big guy. And he's standing outside the service. And whenever people would come walking by, he'd kind of make them go into the church. And they were all scared of this guy. And you know, some people, they'd take off running and stuff. Cause, but anybody come by, he, he was like making these people go into the church. And apparently they did some of that back then. I'm back in the old days. I remember in school learning about this, where they would have some of their ushers. They believed that what was being preached was so important. They would have these ushers that would walk around. And they would watch for people, and if they would start to fall asleep, they had this long pole that had kind of a, a hard ball on one end, and they'd kind of thump the guys over the head with it. If it was a lady, the other end had a feather on, and they would kind of you know tickle their face just to kind of wake them up, because they didn't want anybody falling asleep during the service. Because what was going on was important. And you know why people were falling asleep in the services? Because their services were a lot longer than an hour. And, and they thought it was important. And listen, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying we ought to go for some people, even though everybody in town would be better off if they were here in church. But we've got, we've got to motivate people and we've got to inspire them and we, we've got to teach them and show them because we need this thing to spread. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2 says, "...and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also." We, we spread this thing. So we start new churches. We send out missionaries. Why? Because we're trying to recruit more. We want it to grow. Well, when are you people going to stop? When every single person... And Sterling and Rock Falls is saved and living for the Lord. And then, even then, then we're going to start working on some of these other towns. You know, that, that's when we're done. That's the way it works. When are you people going to be satisfied? When the whole world is saved. And until then, we're just going to keep working at it. One person at a time. That's what a Christian does. And they might call us names. Well, that's what they were doing there. They're calling them, them Christians. I'll take that as a compliment. You know what? I think I think we'll stick with that name. I like the name. You know, the name. One of the ways we got the name Baptist, it was kind of something that the Catholics called us, because uh, you know, like I said, obviously Baptist. That hasn't what we've always been called, but back there in the early church, you know, there's always been people preaching the word of God. There's always been a true church, and then the 
Catholic church came along that clearly wasn't biblical. And one of the things that the true church did, whenever somebody would get saved that was from a Catholic church, they would baptize them again. Because obviously that sprinkling they did or that baptism that they got while they were a Catholic didn't count because they weren't even saved. That wasn't a real church. And so these Catholics, they would find out about these churches that were what they called rebaptizing their people, and they called them Anabaptist, which meant rebaptizers. How dare those people rebaptize our people? And the Baptists, they kind of took that, thought, well, we're not really rebaptizing them because they never really were baptized, but we are baptizing them, and just kind of the name Baptist ended up kind of getting stuck. Because you couldn't just go by the church anymore because everybody was calling themselves the church. Something that had to distinguish us. And um, those kind of names are good. And uh, hopefully, so really, I guess, if we were to take a test to see who was a Christian, I think the accurate way to do that, it's not to figure out who's saved. None of us can really know for sure about somebody else's salvation. And I'm not going to do this, but I wonder if we went... And we took maybe to your family members or your coworkers or your neighbors and said, Hey, has this person, have they ever witnessed to you and tried to get you to be a Christian? I wonder if they'd be able to check that mark, a yes or a no. Have you ever seen God use their life in any way? Have you ever seen anything amazing? Have you ever seen, you know, maybe some amazing answer to prayer or some miracle that God has done in their life? Have they ever encouraged you when you were down? Have they ever done? Have they ever done anything for you? Are they good people? Are they honest? Or do you hear them yelling and screaming and cussing all the time? You know, full of the Holy Ghost. I don't know if the world would necessarily know what that is and what it's all about. But do you notice faith in these people's lives? I wonder if we would pass for Christians if. You know, we could all say, oh, I do all these things. But no, this isn't what we think. This is really that term Christian. The accurate thing to find out if we are one is we need to find out from other people who are lost. Because they were the ones that gave these people that name. And so, and that ought to be, I hope that's a challenge to you, that I want to be a Christian. I want to be what somebody else calls a Christian. I'm not, I don't want to just give myself that name or my church. No, do my lost friends and family members and neighbors and co-workers, do they look at me as a Christian? And that ought to be a goal for all of our lives. So, Because we, we need to be that example. So let's stand together tonight.